This is global trauma. It's important to mourn something that means a lot to you. And we've all lost something that has meant a lot to us. It's affecting us in different ways. And just like before, you will pick up the pieces. Hello, everyone. I'm Varun Soni, and I'm the Dean of Religious and Spiritual Life at the University of Southern California. This is More Than a Game, a podcast where we explore the human experience through the lens of sports and search for spiritual wisdom to help us make sense of the time we're living in. Together, we'll ask, what can we learn from the religion of sports to help guide us through this challenging moment? Today's episode, Resilience. During this time of global pandemic and civil unrest, how do we not only persevere, but learn and grow? How can we be both vulnerable and resilient? The world's great religious and spiritual traditions have always included practices focused on building resiliency and inner discipline, from fasting to meditation to walking on hot coals. But what can the religion of sports offer us in this regard? I'm so grateful to welcome my guest today, Victoria Garrick who I first met when she was an undergrad at the University of Southern California. As a Division I student athlete at USC, Victoria competed at the highest levels nationally and had a storied career as a college volleyball player. But eventually, the high-pressure environment took a toll. She struggled with depression and performance anxiety, and she was very open about it in her now-viral TED Talk. It's called The Hidden Opponent. Today, at the young age of 23, Victoria is a mentor to many young people who have been inspired by her journey of vulnerability and resiliency. This is truly the episode where the student becomes the teacher, and I couldn't be happier about it. So thank you for joining me, Victoria Garrick. Thank you so much. It is such an honor to be here. Victoria, you had an extraordinary and inspiring athletic journey. You walked on to the number one ranked college volleyball team in the nation, and you went on to become a starter, a team co-captain, and a Pac-12 champion. I still have some sense of uh, disbelief, even hearing you list those accomplishments. I've always had a bit of imposter syndrome uh, my whole life. And even now, having been out of it, I still am like, I did that? Did I do that? You did achieve what you wanted to achieve. You achieved academic success. You enjoyed a vibrant social life. You were blessed with a loving family. It really looked like the perfect college experience for a student athlete. But that's only part of the story. What was happening on the inside for you during that time that folks didn't see? A lot of people look at the student athlete and they think of all the perks and benefits you're getting. So free gear or playing in great arenas or just being a celebrity on campus. And yes, those things do come along with the lifestyle, but there's also this insane schedule. And I'm talking my practice block was one to six. And then my class had to fit in before one or after six. And then also making up exams when you go on the road and flying every other week and you have two games a week and there's so much going on that there's barely any time to decompress or have a minute to breathe. And just for me to have that go on and on and on and on, I realized that it was a lot, lot harder than what I was expecting and I actually was not equipped to handle it. Day after day, my entire freshman year, my anxiety and all of that stress had led to a point where now my sophomore year, it was unbearable and I felt like overcome with numbness, which led to my depression. And in that time in my life, the lowest place I'd ever been, 
I just did a lot of soul searching and asking these questions of like, how could someone like me be here with this dream lifestyle, the thing I wanted so badly and now I'm feeling the lowest I've ever felt in my life. And, you know, that makes sense. Did you find that other student athletes were also struggling behind closed doors by themselves going through some of the challenges that you're going through? At first, it was not apparent to me because freshman year, when I looked around at my peers, I did not see the struggle that I was feeling. And especially in sports culture, that is the narrative that we're telling people all the time when they're struggling or they feel like giving up. It's, well, you can go one more. You can lift heavier. You can push through. We see it in the movies, in the Nike commercials, and in sports everywhere. And that's one of the reasons I felt inclined to keep this to myself for that year and a half, two-year period um, when I did. But eventually, as I started to seek the help and I realized that, hey, there really is nothing wrong with me. Um, This happens to a lot of people. And there are reasons that this happened to me that need to be fixed. um, And there needs to be attention brought to this. And as I started to realize that there were many others going through it, I felt inclined to speak out about it. And that's kind of what led me to the TED Talk was knowing how many people this conversation was hopefully going to serve. So it was gradual for me realizing that. And then you came out and you did your TED Talk, which you know took a lot of courage, a lot of bravery to, to do that. You discussed very personal issues like performance anxiety and depression, issues that athletes generally didn't discuss at that time. Um, and you expressed real vulnerability in a way that I think most athletes uh, don't feel like they can. I had this dark cloud over my head and it followed me everywhere. It was there when I woke up. It was there when I went to sleep. It was there in practice every day, passing balls. And do you know how hard that is when you have to be good at your craft every single day and all you want to do is lay into a ball and just cry? I remember times during water breaks, I would run to the bathroom and just sob because for five seconds, I wanted my day to stop. What was the reaction to that TED Talk, especially from student athletes around the country? The reaction was overwhelming. I knew what I was doing when I set out to give that talk and I hoped I knew what I was doing, but then when it really came to life and I received all of those messages on Instagram, on Facebook, from athletes I played against, from athletes around the country, um, around the world. I remember just high-fiving Kentucky after playing them in a game and one girl being like, good game, good game. I loved your TED Talk, good game, good game. And I had just played her and thought she was so good. And to just the reaction was, was wild. And um, it's what inspired me to continue speaking about this beyond that 15 minute YouTube video to build out a platform and more videos that address my mental health issues and also the mental health issues of others. And this is something I think we should be teaching young kids when they're 13, 14 is how you approach challenge and failure in your life. You recently graduated from college, and uh, you're so you're still in touch with lots of students and student athletes, and you you hear from them from all over the country and really all over the world. And so, given everything you've been through, what advice would you give them as they're thinking about how they're going to return and the challenges that they're going to face? I think the feeling right now is, why did this happen to me? After how hard I've worked, or this is not what we deserve. And I think those feelings are valid. And when you think of just the years and the lifetime and the dedication that 
some of these players have spent to play at the level they're at. My heart breaks. And with the virus and the pandemic, you know, there are greater things happening and there are more severe things happening, but we can't deny that this is affecting everyone negatively in different ways. Something that I've been learning is that all the things I learned as an athlete, so the grit, strength, time management, handling tough situations, coming back from failure, overcoming adversity, all of these qualities that I've developed my whole lifetime, while I'm not an athlete right now, I still have all those things. I still possess them and they can still work for me in different ways. So to the athletes right now who know they're not getting what they wanted, everything that they've learned has maybe in some way of a shred of a silver lining set them up to handle this great adversity in how can you fight to learn something from this time? How can you continue to train and practice in pure hope that, you know, if it does turn out, you'll be prepared. And knowing that if it happens or it doesn't happen, these days are not wasted. What you've done before this time was not wasted because it's giving you the tools to handle this current time. So, I mean, that would be my optimistic advice. But then also the mental health advocate in me does want to say, if you just feel like crying, if you just feel like why me and laying in bed and you can't tap into that optimism, that's okay. This is global trauma. It's going to be for sure. It's affecting us in different ways. And if you need to lay in bed and cry and feel like you've lost something, that's okay. And then eventually, once you've let those emotions surface and you've given space to them, just like before, you will pick up the pieces. Yeah. Victoria, yes. Uh, you know, I think that's so important, the point about pain. I know a lot of people are feeling a lot of pain, but then they feel bad about feeling bad because then they think, well, it could be worse. I, you know, I could have lost my job. I, you know, I, I could have a relative who passed away from COVID, et cetera. And so they feel as though they don't, they can't feel bad because their pain isn't as, as severe as maybe the pain around them. But uh, I think what you're saying is really important for everyone to hear that it's important to mourn something that means a lot to you. And we've all lost something that has meant a lot to us. And as we mourn it, we honor it and we create space to to reflect upon it. And that's how we move past it. And in many ways, I think, Victoria, in the work that you do, you're giving people permission to feel bad and not feel bad about feeling bad. And I'm a big believer in your emotions are valid and your feelings are valid. And I think the worst thing we can do is compare to someone who's had something worse happen to them. And anytime someone says that, I would say to them, well, then you could just as easily compare someone who has it better than you. And I think it is important to acknowledge that whatever your emotions are and how you feel in your life, it's okay for you to feel those things because I am also guilty of feeling that guiltiness of, well, I'm so privileged and blessed to be an athlete at USC. I don't deserve to be depressed. I don't deserve to be anxious before a game. And so I know what it is like to fight yourself on what the heart really wants to experience at that point in time. You know, this episode's about resiliency. And in so many ways, your athletic career at USC was defined by physical resiliency. The stat that sticks out for me is that you played in every single game, all 136 over your four-year career. What was your secret to physical resilience throughout your career? And what do you think all of us should be doing to stay physically healthy during lockdown so we can equip ourselves to, to fight COVID? When I look back on all of those games and I try to find what the underlying common thread was, I think it 
just comes down to I love to move my body, feel energized, and channel a sense of gratitude for what's possible and what the potential is. And that's so motivating. And I think right now, while there is so much sadness in this world to connect with our bodies and be grateful for our ability to go outside and maybe walk down the street or walk the dog or walk with someone um, is is important. And I look back and I think that just that ability to be in my own skin and channel the gifts it can bring me is what kept me motivated in fitness. Uh, yeah, I love that. I love the idea that fitness is more than just transactional, that we're not just doing something for the purposes of something else, but that the practice, the exercise is important in and of itself, not just for transaction, but for transformation. And I think that's why some people describe sports as a spiritual practice. As an athlete, did you ever experience sports as a kind of spiritual discipline, a sense of maybe mysticism or transcendence or being in the zone or an out-of-body experience when you were right in the heart of peak performance? In my earlier career in high school, I feel like volleyball brought me right into the present moment. And just, I experienced pure joy playing that sport. And I just naturally gravitated towards the joy and the spirit that volleyball brought me. And so it's always given me this sense of, of feeling present. However, I lost that in college as an underclassman, especially. I felt like I was always thinking of the past or the future. And so when I was in a place where I could not connect to that higher energy the sport used to give me, I felt really lost and it no longer was an escape for me. My sport became the hardest part of my life. And that was something I had to work to circle back on. And then eventually my senior year, I was able to tap into those moments. Still not as great as when I was younger. And you know, you've never heard about statistics and you never heard about rankings or awards. But um, I think that's why I love sports so much is it gives you this feeling and this emotion that's really difficult to channel in other aspects of life. I miss it dearly. Over the last several months, um, all of us across the world have really missed each other. You know, we've missed community, we've missed tribe, um, social isolation and uh, distancing has led to some extent to emotional isolation and distancing. Uh, in many ways, we've missed our team, our support resources that keep us afloat. Are there lessons about teamwork, about connection, about working together that you've learned from your athletic experience that you're now returning to for yourself during this pandemic? It's really interesting because I learned something that I think is life-changing for me in terms of relationships and loneliness. And I know we previously discussed me feeling very lonely. And pre-coronavirus, when we were at our most social times and you could go out and socialize, I felt extremely lonely. And like I needed more friends, I needed more tribe. But now that we've been in quarantine and there has not been the opportunity to go somewhere, or there have not been pictures posted of people, and I haven't felt that pressure, I kind of sat in the silence and realized I never really needed those relationships because I felt very satisfied and whole with the few very deep and meaningful friendships I do have. And so for me, I've almost had this opposite enlightenment of it was just all an illusion from society that I needed all of those things, those people, those big friend groups, that 
huge social life because right now when I think about what I have and the, the few people I FaceTime and talk to each week and my family, I feel very fulfilled in those connections. So for me, it's actually been the least lonely I felt this past 2020. And, you know, I, I say that maybe someone else is having that same realization, but I don't know if I would have learned that about myself had this not happened. And so I'm really grateful for understanding that and being able to feel fulfilled in the relationships I always had and that I never really wanted what I thought I did. That's deep. That's really deep. You're right. There's so many things we're learning about ourselves that have in some ways been forced by uh, by COVID, but it seems um, unlikely that we will go back to seeing and acting and being in the way that we were having learned these things. So we just saw the NBA return, and with it, there's hope that other professional and collegiate sports will follow. What has it meant for you as an athlete to not be able to watch or play sports during this time? And what role do you think sports can play right now in terms of healing? I definitely think that they can help us heal. Sports unite people in a very special way. And whether you're watching it and you're a fan and it's your hometown team and the generations before you rooted for this team, or it's a player that you grew up watching, you know, all of that stuff is so fun and so meaningful. And I think something with sports is the people we do watch have reached incredible peaks and they're so good and they put so much time in and you can't help but feel something special and seeing an athlete perform at an incredibly high level. At least being an athlete, I, when I see someone play while I'm thinking of how much they've had to put in to get to that level and so to watch it just brings you a sense of respect and a sense of joy to see other human beings excelling especially during a time like this 2020 is is truly been the worst year of our collective lives um, I'm like waiting for the locusts to descend upon us it just seems to get worse and worse one tragedy that happened earlier this year and it seemed like so long ago but it really wasn't was the death of Los Angeles sports legend Kobe Bryant I had the ch chance to work with Kobe on the documentary Muse and also to host him at USC. And you ended up meeting him at an event at USC. And that led to a collaboration that you did with him, too. So tell us about the work you did with Kobe and what you learned from him about resiliency and about the Mamba mentality. So Mamba mentality is a mantra that Kobe has preached his whole basketball and athletic career. And it basically just means insane grit, perseverance just having this mentality that you're going to make it happen no matter what the circumstance and you're going to get it done and you're going to prevail. And that's what I thought the definition was for a very long time until I asked him, how can you be in Mamba mentality and suffer with a mental health issue? And I asked that because I was thinking of me, like, how can I be anything like you? And that's what all athletes want is to be like the greats. How can I be anything like you if I've been depressed and I've been anxious? And he said, Mamba mentality is about what you've just mentioned, but it's also about being strong enough to identify weakness and put attention there and work on that. The same way if you were golfing and you, this was the example he gave, which I thought was so funny. The same way if you were golfing and you needed to work on your chip shots, you wouldn't spend all day at the driving range. You'd go hopefully work on your chip shots. And the same way if you identify you have an issue with your anxiety or with your emotions, to be strong enough to put work there is mama mentality. And I thought that that was so powerful um, to know the full meaning of that term. And he supported the nonprofit I founded called The Hidden Opponent, which is designed to raise awareness for student athlete mental health. 
and the team at The Hidden Opponent is made up of a handful of incredible, amazing volunteer student athletes who put in all of this hard work to help me build this community where we now have over 500 student athletes in our Facebook group, over 16,000 on our Instagram who share their mental health stories and also support each other in their own battles. And to be listed as a resource in the back of his newest novel, Geese Are Never Swans, is incredibly special. That book is incredibly special. And we definitely don't take it lightly that people might read that book and come our way. Amen to that. My great privilege is to see students go out in the world and and transform the world by transforming themselves. And so I'm so grateful to you for joining us today. I'm so proud of the work that you do. And it's been a great privilege to be a part of your journey. Thank you for sharing your light, your wisdom, your insight with all of us and keep on fighting on. Thank you so much and fight on and it's an incredible honor. And I'm so grateful I emailed you after you spoke in my class two years ago. (laughs) Me too, me too. Let's continue exploring the human experience through the lens of sports together. Subscribe to More Than a Game on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This show comes from Religion of Sports. Our theme music was composed by Michael Kramer. Alex Claiborne is our producer. Jessica Popovac edits the show. Our executive producers are Amith Sankaran, Gotham Chopra, and Adam Schlossman. And I'm your host, Varun Soni. Thanks for listening.